You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. You're listening to the Pull Box Podcast. The International Graphic Novel Book Club. Here are your hosts, Curtis Finley and Michael Cohen. Welcome back to another episode of the Pullbox Podcast. I am your host, Curtis Findlay. And I am your other host, Michael Cohen. This is episode number 62, and it, it has been a while since we've gotten together. It's been a little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and a lot has happened since we've... Uh, we've um, it's true. Yeah, the United States has a new president, and, uh, and it's very quickly falling <laughs> apart as a, as a first world country. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's quite interesting, yeah. and um, yeah, uh, and we also have um, a few new podcasts for, with the Thunderquack Podcast yes. Network. Um, yeah, there's the Riverdale podcast, which is Riverdale Gang, the yeah. Riverdale Gang, yeah, which is chronicling the new Riverdale TV show. Yes, which I've only watched the first episode so far. Um, I'm th- I, I've watched every episode, so there's three out so far as of this recording. I love Riverdale. I think this show is fantastic. Um, <laughs> if you are a hardcore Archie fan, it's you're either gonna love it or you're gonna hate it. So like it's yeah. it's I think it's a very polarizing show. But I think like if you understand that it's gonna be trash, <laughs> then like. Then you're well, fine, right? That's what it's supposed to be, a soap opera. So I'm not a um, a hardcore Archie fan. Like, I've yeah. read a lot of Archie because, yeah. you know, I grew up reading Archie or whatever. But yeah. I thought it was terrible, the first episode. So oh, I really? need to watch the second and third to give it a fair chance. It's um, it, You just have to understand what it is, right? It's yeah. a CW drama. It's it's Smallville without the superheroes. Right. right? And so, yeah, that's what Katie, my wife, was, uh, was yeah. saying when we were watching. It's like, it's just as bad as Smallville was when it started out as oh, well. Oh, for sure. And, and, For sure, but yeah. like as you get a couple episodes in, the intrigue starts to to build up a little well, bit. Well, that's more good. I should give it a fair sh- fair chance. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other podcast, the other sorry, I'm stumbling all over the place. The that's other weird. podcast that's um, that's new is yeah. another one that I've started up now. It's called yes. the Epic Marvel Podcast, and um, it is um, hopefully bi-weekly. I'm going to try if yeah. see if I can keep that up. Um, a look at Marvel's history. It's vast history, mainly before the 2000s, yeah. um, but uh, little chunks at a time. And we're following, Marvel has a line of comics now called the Epic, Mar- um, the Epic Collection, and um, where they're just these big chunky trades yeah. that collect uh, a couple years worth of, of their long-running titles. And so um, I have a rotating series of co-hosts that uh, that will be yeah we'll just pick one epic collection for per episode and talk about that little chunk of history and so we have a few episodes that are up already um, our first episode was about Iron Man in the 80s and the second episode was the Cosmic Spider-Man era in the uh, late 80s slash I think 1990s when that finished up and then um, we just recorded one or just released one about Avengers in the 70s. And uh, yeah, they're all really interesting. And the, the thing I like most about this is I've reached out to a lot of the creators of, uh, of these comics of the, of the time yeah. and talked to them and done some interviews. And I've used the clips in, in the interviews 
yeah. um, intersperse them into the, our conversation so that when we come up to a relevant part, I turn it over to the actual creator so we can hear straight from their mouth what they were doing when they were creating yeah. these books. Yeah. Really cool. That is, it, it is, um, we were talking about it the other day and uh, I, I think it's now like it's the best p- produced podcast on the network because <laughs> it's the only one I think that's really got that much effort going into it well that's good <laughs> um, which is good because it's like you know it it's funny because because irregularly scheduled uh is a podcast that that happened when I, when we launched the network and that was my intention with that and then i've just i've only ever put out two episodes and they're just like any episode of like quiver <laughs> and, uh, where they're just like it's just a straight stream of consciousness i i conversational podcast um but i do want us to get into stuff like that so i'm really glad that you are doing that right now and sort of uh carrying that banner for us until such time that (laughs) i have a little bit more free time but uh but yeah i really like it i I think it's a great it's a great concept um it's it even if you're not reading that the comics along uh with you guys it's really great it's a really great way for people to get into characters and i think once you guys have a backlog of episodes in about a year um it'll be a really great resource for people to go back to. And especially like it's a, it's a really cool complimentary podcast to pull box. Yeah. And I think that that's the best thing is that, um, similarly to how I, I rebels podcast is a continuation of front lines, the clone wars podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then star Wars, the saga continues is actually a couple of the guys from the team from front lines. I, I, so those three podcasts really work well together. So if you listen to one, you might as well listen to all of them. Right. And, and it's sort of the same thing here. Yeah. Um, and then the really cool thing is that, that you're using snippets and putting them within the episodes, but I, I, we're actually putting the complete extended interviews yeah. over on our Patreon, uh, uh, site for now. Um, and eventually those will be released to the general public as well. But, but, um, if you want to hear them sort of right alongside the episodes that they're a part of, then Mm -hmm. the $5, uh, Patreon reward tier now includes that. So it didn't replace anything. It was just sort of added onto. Yeah. We wanted to just thank all of our supporters in this way and give you an exclusive, um, all of these interviews. And I'm trying to do and talk to a new person for every episode of the Epic Marvel podcast that's coming out. Yeah. Um, so there's just going to be constantly a rotation. I'm hoping maybe four or five that are available to people who are um, pledging five bucks. Yeah. And then as I get a new one, the oldest one will cycle out and go into the, the regular, like available to the wider public. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there'll always be a, a little, um, yeah, just a, a, an extra bonus for all of you who are uh, kind enough to help us out with our with our resources here. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's it's a really cool it's a really cool bonus. But um, I so that's kind of all of our catching you guys up. Yeah, right. I think that's everything. Go to thunderquack.com and you can check out all the other podcasts. Obviously, yeah. As we say at the end of every episode, but um, but yeah, we we have been pretty busy. We've been it's been a little bit crazy. Um, and I should apologize. I have a cold. I'm just getting over a cold, so <laughs> so I might sound a little bit funny. And and I think I may have said that at the last time that we no, I wouldn't have had a cold then. But um, yeah, no, I think I sounded funny on the last one though. 
and we're trying out some new equipment so we'll see what the sound sounds like so let us know if it sounds better yeah so you guys will be able to hear in crystal clear quality hopefully just (laughs) how stuffed up my nose is i wonder if i can fix that in with eq or something (laughs) yeah i don't know (laughs) yeah just just pitch me up a little bit okay um but anyways, what are we what are we talking about on this episode? Yeah, we are talking about um, the Eternaut. This is a uh, we since we had a, an extended period of time to read yeah. this the, uh, two months, <laughs> and, and that extended <laughs> period got extended by a little bit. But, yeah, um, we decided to tackle, or I decided that I wanted to tackle a yeah. a bigger book because I read this one and was blown away, and I was like, Mike, you have to read this. So yeah. uh, a little bit of backstory here for uh, myself. I um, about five or six years ago, a friend gave me a book called 1001 Comics You Must Read Before You Die. And, um, and it's, a, it's a huge book with a whole ton of just comics from all over the world, from all points of, of comic history. And, um, and this one is one of them. So I, it, this book in particular wasn't available until last year. Yeah. Um, but and it's so it hasn't been translated. It's a book from the seventies. It was originally published in Argentina in yeah. the seventies, and uh, and so one of the things about that 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 one thousand and one book is that you can't possibly read all of them unless you speak a whole bunch of different languages. Yeah. Because um, not everything has been translated into English. But I found a snippet of it about the first twenty pages or so online by the person who did this translation. Uh, let me just quickly get her name here. Um, where did it go? Yeah, it's on one of those. One it's of those on one of these opening pages. pages here. Erica Mina. She tra- she did it as her thesis project for for her university degree. Um, just translated the first twenty pages or so, and I read them on her website, and yeah. was instantly captivated. Yeah. And I'm like, how can I can't read any more of this? Was it the beginning of the story? It was not quite the beginning. It was the first scene was when they started to play cards. So it didn't get okay. the first scene where um, Juan, the main he, character, he, appears, he appears to this other guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, it didn't get that part. It was just when they are playing cards yeah. and then they see the snow falling outside and it's just beginning, yeah. like he gets his suit and whatever. So, But right away, right off the bat, completely hooked. So when Fantagraphics <clears throat> announced that they finally had the rights to do a translation in English to publish this book, I was on board right away, Yeah, let me tell you. And man, they gave this the deluxe treatment. Yep. This book... Not only is the content great, but the packaging is beautiful. Yeah, it's got this this really nice cardboard cover and like a vellum or cellophane kind of a, um, dust, dust jacket, jacket yeah. with a die cut um, cover, and uh, it, it's just they they went all out. And the restoration, yeah. like I think they were able to scan this from a lot of the original art, a lot of it because you can see. Uh, really great detail in the brush strokes yeah. of the inking, and it, it just then there's um, some essays to go along with it, and just the book itself is is beautiful, and then uh, then the content we'll get into that next because yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's just as good. Um, so uh, quick, just quickly the um, the premise of the book. I shouldn't say quickly because this is gonna <laughs> this is gonna take a while. There's no there's no quickly about this <laughs> this book for sure. So the story because it was. Um, oh yeah, the author's names. Um, it was written by. Uh, it was written by Hector Germain Osterheld, drawn by Francisco Sol- Solano Lopez, and uh, um, Hector Germain Osterheld 
wrote it in the this is in the 70s when there's a lot of sort of political turmoil going on in Argentina yeah and um, when you read some of these essays you find out that he uh, eventually his whole family was pretty much executed um, or just went missing they just disappeared one day because he is quite outspoken about the government and uh, and then he eventually was detained and tortured for several or not several but a few months and then went completely off the map nobody knows where he went probably he's dead he died wow. from the torture and so he's it's just and so the, this is his only work oh, wow that's really. crazy <laughs> yeah that the, that adds this whole other level on right. top of yeah because there's this very subversive i, I never read the foreword <laughs> yeah so one of the and, and and i'll say like i should when i'm done i should go back and read the foreword but usually especially with a book like this when it's so big when i'm done i'm just happy that i'm done i read a little bit of the afterward but um i never read forewords because especially in trade paperbacks forewords will sometimes just like ruin the story yeah like true. i've had it where you're reading something and, and it's like some other comic industry professional is like is like oh this is a great story and i'll tell you why and then they go into everything and you're like whoa, whoa, whoa i haven't read it yet like like yeah, you know yeah. you, this should be after like this should be an afterward and not a forward but um so for that reason i generally like avoid them and then on top of that we've talked about it before i don't do any of the research i go into this stuff blind because yeah. i want i want the story on the page to speak for itself right um i feel like it's it, with comics in particular it's really easy to get get really blinded by the intent or the the sort of the 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 author or or artist and and uh and fandom and that sort of right. thing um like there are people who still think that todd mcfarlane is an amazing artist and uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm just not in that camp but um um even even for the 90s you go back and you look at his stuff and a lot of it's pretty bad but but the, a lot of those people like because of the their sort of preconceived notions it colors their opinions so especially with something like this where i did not know what i was getting into i i was like i'm just gonna jump in sure yeah, and that's I a just, great way to tackle it for in, sure right? and that hopefully would entice you to go and and learn yeah. more about it afterwards yeah so. for sure and and to hear to hear that sort of that's one of my favorite things about pull boxes especially when we get a great book like this and uh, like then you do the research because yeah. <laughs> because you're into that <laughs> sort I of love thing doing and, that, yeah. and and i just like to hear about that little bit so a lot of the time as the listeners are hearing it i'm hearing it for the first time too so <laughs> but so, that that does add this whole other dimension yeah, to the storytelling it does so i made a mistake um this wasn't in the 70s sorry it's this was serialized in 1957 to 1959 okay so that's quite a bit earlier than the yeah. 70s and that's actually follows more line along the lines of what was happening in in um in latin america kind of right because yeah. it's a cold war it's a cold war yeah. period right yeah um so, so that era of dictators sort of yep, yep. taking over all of the civilized parts of South America. Yeah, and so you get um yeah, let's jump jump into the story here. So we have yeah. a um a main character, his name is Juan Salvo. And at the very beginning of the book, it's pretty much the author of the book has illustrated himself into here. Yeah. And this man appears out of thin air in the yeah. chair in front of him and starts recounting this horrific story 
this yeah. incredible, fantastic story, and um, and the main character is Juan Salvo, who uh, will follow. He is he's known as the the Eternaut, um, which I guess is like it's not astronaut but in outer space. It's an Earth spaceman. He's yeah. he's like like an astronaut, but bound to the planet rather than in outer space. Yeah. Um, but I think it's also like there's a sense of eternity as well, which you get yeah. to once you get to the end of the story, yeah. uh, which we'll get into as well. Um, but anyway, the the story that Juan Salvo um, recounts is that he's playing cards with a couple of buddies in his attic. Yeah. When all of a sudden, um, they hear on the radio that there's like some sort of uh, radioactive dust that's falling over the city like there's been some because this is the cold war yeah. so people this is just a possible future that you know the, the somebody pushed the nuke button and something's blown up and now there's just this all this fallout is falling all over the yeah. place and so it looks like snow and people think it's just kind of snowing um but they look outside out the window and just the people who are on the street are just dead. They just drop down dead. Yeah, like like almost instantly. Instantly, yes. Just like cars turned over, and yeah. So one of the guys freaks out and runs out because he's got to get to his wife and kid, and he dies immediately. Yeah. And then the other guys are like, "No, we need to completely seal this house now so that we are not dead." And um, and right off the bat, we're in um, an end of the world story. Yeah, and right off the bat, it's completely compelling because it just dives right into the action. Um, it's it's not sensational. It's it's calm. Yeah, um, because and it's like because it feels like the snow is falling. So you know how you get that that everything is quiet. Yeah, you really get that sense when you're reading it too. Absolutely, that everything is just there's no noise yeah. at all, and you just have the voices of these people talking. Yeah. of what are they going to do? And um, Juan's wife and child are downstairs, so they're in the story as well, along with his buddy, um, uh, what's his name? I, I wrote it down because um, Favali. Favali, yeah, Favali. Yeah. Favali, who is um, like a, a science teacher yeah. at a high school, high school science teacher, and another friend named um, Lucas Herbert, who kind of seems like the, the, uh, the guy who knows what to do. Um, he has a whole bunch of plans. Uh, he works at a bank, but he kind of um, has a lot of ideas. They're all the do. one. One of the cool things is that is that, and it's a it's a contrivance, obviously, but uh, in order for these characters to survive the beginning of this apocalypse, but the the group of them. Uh, they're like electronics enthusiasts, and right. just yeah. sort of like yeah, they're a ha- they're a ham radio club, is what it is. So yeah, they're, so they they they're building all sorts of inventions and electronics yeah. and silly stuff up in this attic, um, and at when and they they're playing a poker game when, yeah. when this happens, but um, but they're they're all kind of uniquely um, skilled. Right, and and that lends to to uh, the survival of this first initial group until yeah. eventually they hook up with with other survivors. But, yeah, and it's just a it's just a fantastic end of the world story because um, like any you watch Walking Dead or whatever you watch, it's yeah. like it's, you get to a point where you realize you're not going to have enough food, so you have to go venture out. Yeah. So how are you going to do that? So they they come up with a um, a way to make a completely sealed suit. Yeah. 
uh, with whatever they have around the house. And the main guy, Juan, ventures out in this gear that makes him look like a, I don't know. Spaceman. Like a spaceman, yeah. yeah. Like a diver or, yeah. or um, yeah. And, and and ventures out into the snow. Yeah. Um, and that's all I read. When, that, that was the that initial, was it. from like the poker game. Yeah. Up until there. Up until there. So yeah. I don't know, like, and the story just goes on because he now ventures out to see how drastic the fallout actually is and yeah. starts to meet other survivors. And, yeah. of course, you get the people who are now fighting over supplies and yeah. and all this kind of stuff. And it just it just draws you in. And it, so I was super excited to continue reading and get the rest of the story. Yeah. Yeah. My, one of my favorite things about this book, which I loved, I mean, I, I think, I, I don't think that I've enjoyed one of our our polls this much since Xenozoic like yeah. and and there's a lot of similarities i right. think as well um definitely in sort of the serialized storytelling fashion yeah the fact that they're black and white the fact that the art is just so ridiculously well rendered yeah um and just perfectly cinematic and and uh and all of that that aspect of it um but i i one of my favorite things about this is that that starts it obviously the very beginning is like what's going on. This guy just materializes out of thin air, but then as he starts to tell his story, his story starts in a very mundane, sort of everyday yeah, yeah. place. We can insert ourselves into yeah. that situation, and as it goes, I, I, uh, Osterfeld, right? Or uh, Osterheld? Osterheld. Osterheld adds layer upon layer upon yeah. layer of fantasy. Yeah, and. So like at first it's just it's just this snow is falling and it's killing people. What do we do? And right. you think you immediately think it's some sort of nuclear fallout or something like that. But in here's the back where the your, spoilers start. <laughs> yeah, but in the back of your head you're going, but he has traveled back in time or yeah. something like that. So there's got to be more to this than just nuclear fallout. Mm-hmm. Um, how's he going to get from here to that point? The whole right. time you're reading, you're thinking that. So then he ventures out, like you said. He encounters another survivor, and you think, okay, so this is going to be like The Walking Dead, where they're going to be fighting other survivors and and that sort of thing. Um, gets back to the house, and then very soon after that, it's like, no, it, this is not about fighting against survivors. All of a sudden, the military shows up. Yeah. And now these guys, because it's an emergency, are immediately drafted into this military action. Um, and there's a, cons- a conspiracy as well. Like the the radio yeah. stations and stuff are trying to say that it's nuclear stuff, but yeah. no one's actually saying what the real danger is. Yeah. Meanwhile, these glowing orbs start falling from the sky, and we don't yeah. know what that's about. And and as it goes on, like, and then they encounter these bug creatures, these beetles, these massive, like the size of a tank. Yeah. Uh, no, no. Well, those are the those are the bigger ones later. Oh, first they, okay. First they encounter the beetles. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the beetles are just sort of like these foot soldiers, and they have this thing called that they call a light thrower. That, oh, yeah. That just like decimates their their the these soldiers and 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 whoever is in the in the path. Right. Um, and then eventually, like you find out that the the beetles are actually being controlled because we think that they are the aliens. Yeah, we think that they're the it's aliens. It's an alien yeah. invasion, and we think that the snow was sent to eradicate everybody, and then the aliens yeah. are now coming to take over the planet, and yeah. that's these little bug pe- people. 
But no, they're just the second wave to clean up anybody who wasn't killed by yeah. by this initial the this by the snow. Yeah, and then we so then we discover that they're being controlled by this other alien race called the Hands. Yeah, or that we call the Hands uh, that have like these giant weird like hundred fingered hands. Yeah, so that they can control these massive keyboard uh, control panels. Um, in order to control the Beatles, and uh, and we find out that they're actually like starting to enslave human beings as well, yeah. and like, and then we learn that they're not even they're not even <laughs> yeah. the aliens. The aliens that we're supposed to be really worried about are just referred to as them, right? Right, and they have these giant bug aliens called Gerbos, and like it's just it just goes more and more insane. Yeah, it just builds and builds and builds on top of itself, but. But not in a contrived or it, it just no. it's a natural slow build that yeah. reveals layer upon layer of of this bigger conspiracy that's happening. Yeah, um, it, it just keeps on going. But as all of that's happening, the the humanity is never lost sight of, right? Like yeah. we we're we're constantly introduced to new human characters as well. Yeah, um, and, and you know, like we meet some of these soldiers and that sort of thing, some of them come and go and, and during the action and, and we, you know, we think that somebody's dead and then, and sometimes they'll, they'll pop back up. Um, but it just, it, because it's got all these great human characters, you never lose sight of the humanity of it for all the fantastical stuff. Yeah. Cause all their motivations are so real to me and like, so, um, just kind of like on point, I think. Uh, and 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 it's very much like what would you do in this situation sort of thing. Like if you had the wherewithal to, to do this and uh, and survive. So it, it really reminds me of those early first couple volumes of Walking Dead before that started to get a little bit off the rails. Yeah. Um, when it was really focused on the human story and not on the world building. Um and that this is this is very much that sort of thing where it's very focused on the character stuff. The the plot is almost secondary to that. All that's doing is propelling the characters forward. But what we really want to see is how how is one going to survive the next ridiculous thing that he's put up against? Right. How is he going to react? They eventually hook up with this guy Franco, who is like sort of the almost like the perfect action hero yeah, at yeah. certain points. He's the, the pretty boy and he's the yeah. army army brad and Yeah and Favali, it's always like, well now that we've encountered this new thing, can Favali outsmart it again? And right. it's like he's Favali always seems to have the answers until he doesn't and then, you know, we gotta figure out our way around it sort of thing. But it's just a brilliant uh brilliant pacing. Yeah. And um the um, bringing the army in was just a stroke of genius as yeah. well, because now you have unlimited number of people you can play with, and each of the characters that he focuses on brings a different perspective of humanity. Yeah. Um, so he has one of them's like a, a a kid. How's a kid gonna react to this kind of thing? Uh, and then yeah, we have the Franco yeah. guy who um just is a soldier and wants to go and beat them all up. And yeah, there's another guy who's a writer, and his main thing is he just wants to chronicle everything because. Um, history has to know that this is happening. Um, and uh, we get the sense that this is happening all over the world, but the this action only takes place in Argentina. Yeah, we, yeah, that's one of the other great things is that we never leave Juan. 
the yeah. way it's always from he, his perspective. It's always from his perspective. And yeah. he narrates the whole thing. We get yeah. to hear what's in his mind. And he he is the constant. He never yeah. wavers. Um, there, There's a couple of times when he... Um, loses heart a little bit. Lose, yeah, but. but for, you know, dramatic effect or to make a point. But he yeah. always goes back on and he goes through this whole thing. Um, and it's just a... He's just a really good main yeah. character. Yeah, well, I think one of the things that stands out the most throughout the story is this sort of eternal optimism even in the face of ridiculous odds just just completely fantastical outlandish ridiculous odds yeah and and yet um one and especially franco it's one of the characters that really stood out to me by the end of it i really liked his character um and favali like they even though Favali is like sort of the eternal pessimist because he's always like, every time they're like, well, surely this is the extent of their power. He's like, no, you know, he's always, he's always like, no, they've traveled across the stars. We have no way of comprehending what, what other horrors they have in store for us. Right. But if we can just get past this, Maybe we can find out. And if we can just gather enough information, maybe humanity has a fighting chance. And so even in that pessimism, there's still always this sense of, of no, we're going to win the day, right? It, yeah. um, it really reads to me as like a serious, and obviously it predates it, but a very serious, um, more mature take on something like Independence Day. Right. right, yeah. It, it has that very that same sort of thing. Um and even to the even to the extent of the sort of cuz Independence Day has this very like raw raw American jingoist sort of military industrial complex For sure. uh, attitude to it cuz it's a it's a Jerry Bruckheimer uh, uh sort of thing. Roland Emmerich yep. directed it, right? But I'm pretty sure Jerry Bruckheimer produced it so that's that jerry bruckheimer roland emmerich michael bay all they're all sort of that same school of thought this has that as well because their their sense of uh nationalist pride in argentina and in the people of argentina is really uh evident and and that you know like um the soldiers that are the most effective time and time again are not the the trained military soldiers, yep. but are actually the militia that is formed that Juan is put in charge of, that are just citizens who've survived this catastrophe and are thrust into this situation. Yeah, and so that that, like I said, what you said at the beginning of the podcast, uh, that extra layer really adds to the story because now you start to understand where that's motivated from. Right. Why he's writing yeah. this story. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And that and that the hand and <laughs> the Beatles and them are are and it's very obvious even without that information that there's an allegory going on here. Yeah. That it's science fiction. And science fiction is is only ever good, I think, uh when it's it's an allegory for something in real life. If you right. just if you're just like and, and then aliens come, so then we'll attack the aliens and and we'll beat the aliens. It's like that's <laughs> not that's not interesting to me. But but when you're science fiction like Star Trek, or uh, um, I don't know, throw out some other good science fiction, The Day the Earth Stood Still, I uh, the the thing stuff like that, like those, 
those stories are not about what they're about, right? Yeah. And and this is obviously not about what it's about. It's about so much more than that. But the story itself is still compelling. Oh, for sure. If you didn't know anything about the history of the or the time frame it was made, uh, you'd still enjoy this. Yeah. Absolutely. It's uh, yeah. <laughs> Can't say enough good stuff about it. No. Yeah. It's it's. I think. Um, even though, like, we started reading it in 2016, so I'll count it as one of our 2016 books, even though the the podcast is coming in 2017. Um, I this is probably the highlight of 2016 for me. Yeah, and when we do our year in 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 uh, April. Yeah, yeah, our year in review. Um, this book is going to be at the top of my list. Oh, for sure. I I don't see anything else between now and April. <laughs> yeah, topping this. Not a chance. It'll be hard to, that's for sure. Yeah. It just, if you haven't checked this out, um, you, you have to. If you're a fan of science fiction, if you're a fan of end-of-the-world stories, um, if you're a fan of just yeah. comics in general, um, especially if you like... Um, it doesn't feel old. It's no. the thing as well. It's like some people shy away. It's like, oh, this was written in the 50s. Yeah. Well, 50s was all campy. Like, you know, it was... Um, if you think about Superman and Batman in the 50s, well, that's just cheesy yeah. campy yeah. pulp trash this is completely different it feels like it was written today yeah no it, it um the closest thing the closest contemporary that i think i could put this to i know i compared it to Zenozoic earlier uh but the closest contemporary i could put it to is probably like the watchman um okay I, because i feel like like there's some similarities there um obviously very different types of stories but but like that same sort of gravitas and and that same sort of level of storytelling, yeah. Along with some ridiculous fantastical elements thrown in, right? Um, just to sort of pique your interest, I think. Yeah. And uh, this this book does that so well. Um, but just a fantastic read. It is like it it's three hundred and fifty pages or thereabouts. Um, but. But it's only forty bucks. Like it's a yeah. it's a steal of a deal. Yeah, it is a great, great price, and you will, you will get through it pretty quick. Um, well, because you won't be able to put it down. <laughs> yeah, because you read. Yeah. I, I was reading it at like twenty five pages at a time. Yeah. Um, which, like, when you compare that to, uh, I, it's not like twenty five comic pages. It's a, it's sort of a widescreen format. Yeah. Um, to the book, so it's a, and and. And they're dense. It's dense. Yeah, it's like there's dense. a lot of text on every page. But it's so like 25 of these pages is probably like half of a graphic novel, like half of a trade paperback. I would say so. It's um, and you compared it to Watchmen, but it's not yeah. dense like Alan Moore is no. dense. It still flows and reads really well. It's so. I think like the thing, and and this is where the translation really shines. Yeah. Um. It's very. Uh, free flowing and it's very natural. The yeah. dialogue is super natural, and I'd be interested to talk to somebody who read it in in the original. What's the original language? Oh, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't want to. I don't want to <laughs> assume that Argentina is Spanish because it could be, could be could, Portuguese. Yeah, right. But, uh, I'll find out for you. Um, I would love to hear from somebody who read it in the original language, um. Because I, I, it would be very interesting to learn if the dialogue was originally so um, 
natural. Or if that's just a net, is, if it's a, it's because it's being translated yeah. now. Yeah. So if this was translated in the 50s, it would sound a lot different, you yeah. think? Yeah. yeah. It's probably I mean, It's definitely got, it has that Star Trek quality to it of like the melodrama is very high. At I love times, the melodrama. But yeah. but like I'm I'm currently watching through Star Trek the original series right now. Um and for the for the first time watching it like all in order. I because uh, I've seen episodes here and there, obviously. Everybody has it's hard to avoid. Yeah. But I'm watching it all like straight through on Netflix. Um and and the similarities are so Right. close to this because yeah. like it comes from it's that same contemporary school of sci-fi yeah because mm-hmm. um, yeah, because star trek is only a, a couple years after few this years later yeah, yeah. um it's um original language is spanish it's spanish it's right. been translated into italian and french before but this is the first time in english okay yeah yeah um yeah i mean like it, it, it this is an instance where where i think it could get lost in translation very easily um but it's not it, no it's because you know you read i I read. A, I have read a lot of manga in the past, and there's a very big difference between something that's been properly translated and something that hasn't. Um, and and it's noticeable when something hasn't been translated well. But this is a fantastic, impeccable translation. Yeah. Because even in, there are moments when you're like when they they make reference to things that you wouldn't understand. There are asterisks and little, yep, things little footnotes for those for those i think there's only about four or five occasions in the entire yeah. book um yeah. yeah should we talk about you want to spoil the end here and talk about the end of this book sure because uh yeah if you haven't read this we recommend not listening anymore because um uh you don't want to really want to know how everything turns out but until you read it for yourself but yeah. uh for those of you who have um yeah we can talk about it it just um it, it gets to a ridiculous end, but um, let's see. Where do I want to go from here? Um, he eventually gets to this, uh, gets teleported to another, is it another planet or another dimension where he meets this old old guy? It's one of the hands, so I, I think it is, isn't it? Um, yeah, he, he, he makes his way onto one of the ships. Yeah. And... and not knowing what he's doing, just hitting buttons and trying to get the thing to take off so that he can, he can fly his his wife and daughter and himself to safety. Um, he ends up transporting himself to this other it's, sort of it's dimension. Called con- Continuum Four. Yeah, that is sort of like this dimension outside of time and space. Yeah, and uh, and meets this alien and is like you. you oh, he is a hand. Yeah, he is yeah, one he, of the he's one of the hands, and he's like you have made it to this place where like. No one dies, but you don't really live either, and like we're sort of outside time. And yeah, but you're one of the few that has managed to escape from them. Uh, and then, and then, it the the really interesting thing is that it's it's inferred sort of at the beginning of the book that he's been all over the place, but we don't end up seeing that. We just see him in Argentina, and then at the end of the book, you find out that once he's in this continuum four, he goes from there to like travel across time and space yeah yeah and, and he, we don't see any of that no and we he's just, trying to get home yeah the entire we just, time we just pick back up to when he arrives back on earth right and it turns out that he arrives back on earth before any of this happens obviously because yeah. because he's he's recounting the story of somebody who doesn't know it um 
before the world is destroyed. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, and then he goes home. Yeah. And as soon as he's reunited with his wife and his child, he forgets everything. Yeah. And he's planted back into the time the time stream like our normal time stream. Yeah, I think there there's there's this is one of the time travel paradox theories that is never I don't think it's ever really explored well in 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 anything mainstream. And that's the idea that that the same matter can't occupy the same space, right? Right. So if you are you, uh, y- you can't be in two places at once. It's it. Back to the Future is the only time travel story I think like in mainstream that that even talks about it. And it's when Doc in in Back to the Future Two is like, I, uh, you have to be careful not to run into yourself, because. You know, like your future self, because I one of two things is going to happen: either it'll cause a paradox that'll cause the entire fabric of the space-time continuum to tear itself <laughs> apart, or you'll simply pass out from shock. And, and, and it's, it ends up being the latter. But like, it's that idea that that like, so he gets back to where he's supposed to be, or where he came from initially, and basically ends up just becoming his former self, yeah, and forgetting everything and 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 by nature of whatever means of time travel he's managed to come back he just takes the place of his current self like yeah. like the other we assume that the other current self just disappears or something right and um and we don't know if he's now actually in the in the timeline where if he plays this out, yeah. the world will eventually be attacked by aliens it's again. It's just a loop. We yeah. don't know. It could be that loop or maybe he's yeah. managed because he's going across time and space. He's entered another time frame or timeline where yeah. that doesn't happen. And now he's going to yeah. live out happily ever after. Like yeah. we don't know where that goes from there as well. So it's, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a brilliant ending too, to a brilliant yeah. book. It's a, yeah, you just kind of, you just kind of like, uh, okay then. It doesn't. Nothing really resolves itself. You kind of have to resign yourself to the fact that that they can't be defeated. Um, that all that the best you can hope for is escape. Yeah. But uh, yeah, just a fantastic, fantastic story. Yeah. So great. Uh, well worth the the time put in uh, to to get through it. Definitely. Sure. Awesome. Cool. Well, good episode. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, what are we reading in the next episode? Uh, Your well, pick. So next up, uh, we'll be we'll be reading Runaways uh, by Brian K. Vaughan, and uh, I, this first volume is Frank Avila. A- no, not Adrian that's, Alfonso. Oh, Alfonso. Yeah, that's Alfonso? right. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. One of my favorite favorite comic book artists. Uh, yeah. So Runaways is next up, and then uh, the week after that, our reader pull is batman endgame batman volume 7 endgame cool and uh who recommended that one i don't remember oh have to look it i don't <laughs> remember i'd have to look it up i'd have to look it up but it's it's uh, it's uh it's i believe it actually is the end of the new 52 run or pretty close to it um, um i don't think it is the end i think there were something like 11 or 12 volumes in new 52 oh really okay so it's uh, oh, the yeah, end of the Joker storyline. After okay, yeah, yeah, we won't get into it. We'll wait. Uh, we'll wait for that episode. episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, my pick for next month 
is um, Old Man Logan because the movie's coming out in yes. a few weeks. So it's Old Man Logan, which is uh, what this new Logan movie is based on. Loosely. By, yeah. Loosely based on, right, by Mark Millar and Steve McNiven. Yeah. So uh, we'll read that. and I've never read it before, so I'm really excited. I've never read it before either. Cool. So this is going to be new for both of us. And I'm especially interested because I really want to read the source material before yeah. going in to see the movie. For sure. So we'll be able to, when we talk about this episode, we'll be able to talk about the movie and the comic. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Uh, my poll uh, is going to be... Actually, oh, let's talk wait? about that. Okay. We'll talk about your poll in the next episode. Okay. Well, yeah. Uh, see you next time. Keep reading comics. For more episodes of the Pullbox Podcast, visit us at pullboxpodcast.com or on iTunes. You can find me on various social media websites. Just search for Curtis Findlay. That's Curtis with a K. You can follow me on Twitter at ArkWolf, A-R-K-W-U-L-F, and, you know, on Tumblr and Instagram and all those other social medias as well. Uh, go to patreon.com slash thunderquack to support us, where you can kick in as little as a dollar and get a bunch of great rewards the exclusive Thunderquack podcast as well as access to the Facebook group and by getting access to the Facebook group you get that direct line to us to send us suggestions for what we should read on the podcast. If you like this podcast you can check out other great podcasts on the Thunderquack network by heading to thunderquack.com 